This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. Now, I've said this many times before, and that is that our podcast is only as good as the guests that we feature, which means today's episode is going to be absolutely out of this world. And no, I'm not overpromising. We'd love to welcome Alyssa Bayer-Lentz to the show today. As a Russian immigrant, Alyssa often struggled to feel included. Now, she's made it her mission to empower girls everywhere to be their own heroes. How? With Hero Backpacks, a collection of custom backpacks that carries a heroic story and a tangible reminder that you have the power to change the world. I'm super excited to share today's episode with you all as it's the first from our New York City podcast tour. That's right. For those of you who don't know, we've recently been in New York interviewing for the show and we've had an absolute blast doing so. And so in today's episode, we'll be talking to New York City-based millennial entrepreneur Alyssa about how we can stand up for our values and speak up even when we're afraid of being different. Now, before we dive straight in, remember to take a screenshot of this episode right now Post it to your Instagram story, to your Facebook story, and tag us at The Peers Project so that we know that you're listening in. We exist to empower you all to be better versions of yourselves, to take the leap into the unknown, and to pursue what you're most passionate about. So make sure to share this episode with your friends, with all of your mates who you think it could benefit. Okay, without... Any further ado, here is my conversation with the brilliant Alyssa Bayer-Lentz. Hello, Alyssa, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. So we talked a little bit before and I was telling you that you're our first podcast guest of our New York City tour. So super special, super exciting. And I can't wait to dive in today. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to be here. So let's do it. (laughs) Awesome. Cool. So look, You and I connected over LinkedIn, and when I looked into you and the awesome work you're doing with Hero Backpacks, I knew I had to have you come on the show. Um, And so I want to dive in, but before I do, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Yeah, so I'm the founder of Hero Backpacks, and Hero is a backpack line that empowers girls through education. The way that we do that is within each backpack, we share the story of a hero that changed the world, featuring the women, um, women, people of color, and immigrants. And then we actually give one day of school for every backpack purchase. Um, we work with a nonprofit partner to do that, who does work across 11 developing countries. And the girls they work with are the first in their families to, to get an education. Wow, that's huge. Where did the idea come about? Yeah, so uh, Hero was really inspired by my personal journey and my personal experience. I was born in Russia, and when I moved to the United States, I didn't speak a word of English. And unfortunately, I was too young to understand that I faced a language barrier, but I was old enough to realize that you know there was something different. Unfortunately, I perceived being different as a problem, so the whole concept of hero is being different should never be a problem. In fact, what makes you different is the very thing that makes you super. Mm, I love that. And when I was looking into you and I read a bit about your story of, of coming here and, and not speaking any English, I really resonated with that. So talk to us a little bit about that time there. I want to dive into Alyssa, the early years. So, you know, you've moved over, everything's new, you don't really speak any English, you're very young, you know. What did you think at that time? You know, what, what were your thoughts? Um, you know, I, I think I just remember, my mom actually told me this story of um, me uh, arriving at kindergarten for the first day. And I remember, you know, she thought maybe I would look back at her and be a little nervous or something. Um, instead, I just beelined for the other kids um, because my early, early days um, it, were really spent at home with my Russian-speaking grandmother. My, we were lucky that my dad had a job. Um, my mom was studying and looking for a job, so she was pretty unavailable um, in those early days. And I am an ENFP, so I'm like extremely extroverted. And I just remember, um, I don't remember that particular instance, but once my mom told me that story years later, it really resonated with me because I just remember always wanting to reach out and be included or be a part or, you know, say something and, and just feeling like I, I couldn't, like there was this barrier, this wall that I couldn't overcome. And of course it started, you know, at that very young age, but that lasted for me up until, um, gosh, high school, really. Of course, you know, I learned English very quickly, but that feeling of my voice doesn't matter, I really carried with me almost my entire life. Yeah, wow. Okay, so what, you know, when you're you're in your teens, you're in high school trying to fit in and you've got this thing of like, what I say doesn't really matter, no one's really listening. How do you navigate that, you know? What, what did you do? Did you just kind of shut yourself off or... Talk to us a little bit about that, yeah. So I think my high school years, it turned into a little bit of um, a rebel. <laughs> I would say, um, I like to say, I've always been a rebel, but now I have a cause. Yeah, wow. Um, and so, you know, I think the, I, I feel very lucky that we grew up in a really safe environment and safe, beautiful area. But um, there was really only one way that you could be to be socially accepted. And I happened to not check any of those boxes. Uh, so I grew up outside of San Francisco. Um, every chance that I got, I would get out to San Francisco. Um, I modeled uh, through high school, and that was kind of my escape. And the fashion industry, even in San Francisco, is incredibly diverse. And I met people from all around the world, and designers, and artists. And uh, that really was kind of my escape uh, in high school, and also a part of 
structuring and figuring out who I really was and the values that I really stood for and the kind of people I wanted to surround myself with. Mm, I love that. What were some of those values? You know, I think um, really the values of my business, uh, taking a stand for who you are, uh, taking a stand for the people around you and uplifting the voice of people who feel like they might not be comfortable enough speaking up for themselves. Mm. Why do you think so many of us are so afraid to live our values or talk about them and, and kind of say them op- openly like you have and you've built a business around it now? Why do you think we struggle so much with that? That's a great question. And, you know, that's one that I I continuously ask myself, actually. You know, I don't think it's easy putting yourself out there. I I don't think that, you know, there's this element of fear that what you stand for, nobody else might care about, or you might be ostracized from from the group. And I think it's actually built into our DNA. (laughs) You know, if we zoom back to the early years of humanity, if you were an outcast out of the group, then you had no tools to survival. So I think that moment of fear, I mean, everyone I'm sure has had a, a bit of fear when they're getting up to do any public speaking. I think it's kind of ingrained in us, that element of fear. It's just part of our human reaction. It's um, a safety mechanism. And, uh, you know, I think it takes a lot of practice and a lot of self-discovery to understand what you value and what you stand for. And then to get past that fear, you have to be, the passion has to be greater than the fear. The cause has to be greater than the potential, you know, downfall or whatever it might be that it's just, it's all about that cause at that point. Mm. I love that. I think you just nailed it. The passion has to be greater than the fear. And I think so many of us just haven't tapped into what it is that we're most passionate about. And we talk a lot about this on the show, actually, because that's the whole reason why the show came about. It's totally my passion, this show. And I think that, you know, if I hadn't stepped up and gone, you know what, I'm going to go to New York, I'm going to do this, I'm going to speak to these people, then we wouldn't be here and we wouldn't be impacting people and I wouldn't be living my passion. And so I think I think that's really valuable what you said there. So talk to us a little bit about that time post your rebel days at high school. So, you know, you're going against everyone and then you enter university. And I saw that you studied at um, Chapman University in Orange, California, Bachelor of Science, Bachelor of Arts. Talk to us a little bit about that time there. Yeah, so that I think was really the turning point of uh, finding out what my values really were and and turning it into something uh, rather than just kind of being out there and being the different one. <laughs> um, Which we love to do. <laughs> so yeah, in my, my senior year, I took a class called Social Enterprise. And as you know, now we know, it, Social Enterprise has absolutely blown up. But at the time, it was my first time hearing that term. It was, uh, I think it was 2010, 2010 it was. And, um, it, you know, I learned that businesses could both do well and also do good. And that was a revolutionary concept for me. So we studied the models of um, amazing companies like Tom's had just kind of, you know, they're just kind of starting to gain traction at that time. Life is good, which has been around for years with their values of um, giving back and the the ways that they do their impact work. Uh, But for me, that was like the first concept. And 
day one, the professor said to us, we're going to solve a problem in this class, but unlike, you know, all the other business classes you've taken at this point, it's not going to be like a feature related issue. Solve a social issue that affected you personally. And so for me, I just reflected back on my experience as, you know, that little kid without a voice and wanted to make a product that might help other people in those shoes feel feel more strong, more confident, and um, more like more like they're whatever makes them different really makes them feel super and super and special and unique. I love that. Wow. So your idea really came about when you were studying. You kind of got this, wow, okay. So talk to us a little bit about then post that. So you came up with this idea, you're in class, all of that. Then soon after you made the move, I think it was after uni from from the west to the east coast. What, you know, what inspired you to do that? What talk to us a little bit about that time there and that transition. Yeah, so I um, I did a summer internship in New York. Um, growing up, I had always dreamt of living in New York City. I just felt like if I got to New York, like I could be myself. Haven't <laughs> <Like, laughs> we all? I mean. <laughs> and it's true. I think you yeah. know. I do think that New York is part of what makes the city really special. Is it is all those dreamers from around the world? Maybe the ones who like me felt like they didn't fit in in their hometowns that come here and and make it a really special place to live. Um, so I think New York. That's part of the New York magic. Mm-hmm. But um, I booked a one way flight. Um, without ever having been here and having at that time I had when I booked the flight I had no place to live and no job um, <laughs> this was uh, my the summer after my sophomore year of high school I ended up getting a job an internship um, at a, fa- a fashion company here um, in the design department um, and found a place to live <laughs> <laughs> we love that shelter <laughs> shelter exactly but um, I had um, I had done an internship in New York um, during uh, college and so right after I graduated, I, again, kind of booked that one-way trip um, coming out here. Uh, I had already wanted to start Hero, which is what, you know, the company that is now Hero. Um, and, uh, yeah, I came out here, actually, the what I did right after graduation was I spent the summer driving around the um, downtown LA fashion district, which was just really very bare bones, like warehouses. Now downtown LA has pretty thriving art scene. At the time, there was really nothing there. And I met with, um, you know, sample makers and I learned about different fabrics that you could use. And I was basically told I I made a a prototype out of cardboard. (laughs) (laughs) You love that. You gotta start somewhere. (laughs) Well, what I wanted was like a really um, functional piece that was strong enough to maintain its form even when it was empty. And so I was like, oh, cardboard, well, but anyway, and I actually did create that product now. Like the backpacks are very sturdy and they hold, maintain their shape even if they're empty. But um, but I was told that what I wanted to do was structurally impossible. And so um, basically right after I graduated, you know, three months later, I just kept hitting all of these barriers. And what I learned was I need to learn more about fashion. I need, I mean, I had done that one internship, but, you know, I, I needed to learn more about um, design principles and, and all of the aspects that I didn't study in, in business or marketing. And so I figured New York, that's the place to come. And again, I, you know, booked that one-way flight out here. Um, I ended up working at a company called Buddy Media, which is later acquired by Salesforce in kind of a project management, account management role. Um, and then, uh, you know, kind of put Hero aside for a few years, but revisited Hero in 2016 when, when I launched. Mm. Wow, I love that. Okay, so talk to us. I want to dive deep into Hero. 
Talk to us a bit about, firstly, what it is and that transition from you put it on hold and then you dived into it. So Hero um, is a direct-to-consumer backpack line. Um, We have uh, beautiful, bright colors. I already kind of talked about the structure of the bags, but it's really a well-designed, functional piece. Uh, Most of our customers are, well, kind of twofold. Um, It's the kids themselves, first and foremost, and also their parents. Um, But I think what really makes the Hero audience or the Hero tribe, like I like to say, unique is that we're really aligned on on those values of of what Hero stands for. And the launch in 2016 was really my response to all of the divisive rhetoric that was on the rise um, in, in that year. Uh, you know, I thought back again, I was reflecting back on my experience coming here and I just thought, you know, kids now have it so much harder than I had it because they're being bombarded by the media. It's so constant. And there was so much negative um, rhetoric around women, people of color and immigrants. And so, you know, I again picked up that college idea that I had about a product that makes people feel special and makes people feel strong and thought, well, why don't we share the heroic stories of the people who've changed the world and share some positivity about people who are being talked about in, you know, such a negative way at that time. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I'm, I want to dive deeper into those stories that you're sharing, but I just want to know how you supported yourself during this time. So I saw that you did a bit of work in the aviation industry. So were you working full-time while building Hero? Part-time. Part-time. So um, so I I left um, uh, Buddy Media Salesforce shortly after the acquisition. Um, It was really interesting being a part of a startup and then an acquisition actually so early on in my career and just kind of seeing the the internal aspects of it. And I, I realized, you know, I love the startup environment and it wasn't the right place for me. Salesforce is an amazing company and a lot of my friends still work there and I have a lot of respect for them, especially because they, they give back so much. Um, but regardless, it wasn't the right place for me in, in terms of a career. And I wanted to travel and I found a job that allowed me to travel. Um, so I worked as a flight attendant on oh. private jets. Oh, <laughs> love that. Oh, so cool. Okay, so you did that part-time. Okay, so were you like flying off on the weekends and then like during the week? Like what was your schedule like when you were building Hero? There kind of was no schedule. <laughs> <laughs> and I think... Love that. <laughs> I think that was one of the biggest challenges. Um, the, the company that I, so I, I worked for one company um, and then I worked for just like a smaller private company. And then I worked for Gulfstream Aviation, which is the world's best private jet provider. Um, I actually, I, I think it's an amazing company. <laughs> but, um, so I loved working for them. And, and that was um, challenging because although it was part-time and I could make my own hours, um, you know, you still kind of want to be there and be available and be work, you know, be available for them and do your job well. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was working quite frequently, uh, maybe, again, can make my own hours, but 15 to 20 days a month uh, of travel, um, or, you know, I could tone it down to five to 10, um, depending on how busy the season was for Hero. But this was all more or less when I was pre-launch or had just launched. Um, so there wasn't really that much that I couldn't do while I was on the road. 
So it ended up being kind of the you know perfect uh, in between step for me. Um, but Gulfstream, uh, we did uh, mostly a lot of event planning. So it was um, we would travel destinations, we would host uh, large aviation conventions, and we would meet with potential clients and talk about the features of the aircraft. And so um, I think I learned a lot about just sales. You know, I wasn't a salesperson, but I was working very closely with the sales team. So watching them and you know, uh, kind of sharing bits and pieces here and and there. I learned a lot about, you know, how to storytell and how to how to connect with a person really quickly because you might have only five minutes with them if at this convention. And and so I think it also kind of helped me get a little bit even more past that early childhood fear of like speaking up and because that was my job was to constantly be meeting with people from all around the world and talking with them. And um, so I think it was kind of a good learning experience for me in that regard. Mm. I love that. Okay, so talk to us a little bit about the early challenges of building Hero. You know, business is a minefield, I like to call it. You know, when you're starting out, when you're trying to build something, there's a lot of things you've got to juggle. There's just a lot going on. What were some of those early struggles or challenges that you faced? I think, you know, we we talked a little bit about finding the importance of finding the right team. I think for me, that was um, both a challenge and what ended up working really great as well, um, was, you know, I, I bootstrapped Hero. Um, so, so, um, you know, there was always the equation of uh, necessity versus budget and available talent pool as well. You know, I couldn't go out and hire the best full-time team, but you always want the best people working for you. And for me, the best people meant the people who were most connected to my cause, because it, you know, I didn't really, well, I didn't have the luxury of maybe picking the top graduate in design, but I, you know, I could work with someone who reached out to me on Instagram, who has a beautiful page saying, Hey, I I have a hero backpack. I love it. I'm a student. Um, I want to learn more about design. Can, is there a way we can work together? And as long as those people had the right mindset and the right passion, I could turn that into, you know, I could help them develop that skill set. So for me, um, it was challenging in the sense that I didn't have all of the resources that I needed available to me, um, both monetary, but more importantly, you know, people and and talents. Um, But I mean, that is also related to financing. (laughs) Um, However, um, with that said, I, you know, I, I, it created a lot of really amazing opportunities at the same time by maybe working with people who saw Hero in a different way. Because a student who is a Hero customer sees my company through their eyes. And it was really interesting to kind of let their talent develop in that way and also helped Hero develop and grow in new ways for that particular audience. Mm. I so resonate with that. And you and I were talking about this off air before we started the show. And I think it's it's just, you've hit the nail on the head when you said it's passion over everything. Like if, if the person is just so into what you're doing, they've obviously got a bit of skill, but they're really into what you're doing, you know, they're in. And I think, I think that's so important for, you know, many of our peers out there listening who are thinking, oh, you know, maybe I don't have that credential or maybe I don't yet have that, you know, expertise. It's just putting your hand up and going, hey, like, I'm really passionate, passionate about what you're doing. I'd love to get involved. I love that. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about 
um, post finding your team? You know, what were some of those other things you had to put into place before Hero could really launch and be and flourish? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, the, the team has kind of fluctuated since. I, mean, I think the people I worked with at launch were really uh, friends yes. <laughs> who, yes. who loved Hero. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, were more or less doing me favors. <laughs> um, but, we love our friends. <laughs> um, but, you know, as Hero was growing, there would be um, groups of people who would come in at certain times. So, you know, I worked with an incredible team last summer, for example, recent college grads, there are about 15 of them. Um, and they're all creatives. And, you know, we would go out. Sometimes I would join them. Sometimes I wouldn't be available and they would just do everything on their own. And, um, and, you know, we would, uh, really mostly for content. So videos, photo shoots, um, you know, uh, they took over the Instagram. (laughs) So, um, you know, and, and they all brought their own unique voices and perspectives. Um, but of course, you know, they, they are students. So after the summer, it wasn't, you know, you know, I can kind of continue working with them on from time to time. Um, and then now I work with an ad agency full time. Um, but so they, you know, they're amazing as well because it's again, a whole team of people who bring their ideas forward, but I still work with, um, you know, whether it's students or uh, friends or, or really talented freelancers that I come across. So the hero team uh, grows and evolves and changes both throughout the last three years of business, but also throughout the iterations of um, hero within just a one year time span. So whether we're creating content and getting ready for a summer campaign or whether we're in the middle of a campaign and kind of managing that, that day to day. So um, yeah, it really changes. And I think that, um, you know, what the shift was from launch was just anyone around me who could help, yeah. <laughs> like friends and friends of friends, yeah. uh, to now people yeah. who are uh, reaching out to me. And also, you know, people who, who I'm uh, developing longer term partnerships with as well. I love it. Okay. So the next one, I just love asking this question. What has been your greatest failure to date during building Hero? That's a great question. Um, I think, honestly, I think my biggest failure happened before I launched. And that was spending too much time trying to develop a perfect product. And I did... um, you know, again, Hero was kind of ideated or incubated, so to say, in a college business class. So my approach um, when I revisited the idea years later was kind of formulaic. It was like, okay, this is the quote unquote market research phase where, you know, we're going out and collecting data and talking to potential customers. And I think that's so important, but I think people get really stuck in this phase as well. And everyone's going to have some sort of a different opinion. And there's only, at the end of the day, there's only one way you can build your product, right? And so uh, for me, when I launched, I thought this product would be strictly for moms and, you know, moms buying for their kids and really young kids, like, you know, elementary age. And um, it turned out that the product was more of a, older audience, like more like middle school, high school, even college students. And those are really my primary audience. And the moms and parents are kind of more of a secondary audience for Hero. And, you know, I had to kind of 
I've read it for launch, I realized that pretty quickly because <laughs> your customers will tell you what they want. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, oh my gosh, I have to reshoot all of our yeah. creative and and kind of, um, and I still have friends now who are like, oh, but isn't your product like for kids, <laughs> like five-year-olds? <laughs> um, why do you have all these, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> older all kids people. wearing them? Yeah, yeah. Or, like people in their 20s. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, anyway, it's, um, I think just not getting stuck in that, research phase and just putting something out there, even, even just starting with something small. Like if you're starting a product business, just getting like 10, 20 items out there and seeing what people do with them and then kind of maybe going all in after, after that. Mm. I, I so agree. And it's, it's so, it's so refreshing to hear as well from, you know, someone who's done the whole thing, you know, you're three years deep, this is your full-time job now, and you know, you've, you've, you've been through it all. And I think so many of us are almost, I think it comes to, back to that fear piece maybe. It's like we're scared to put it out there. It's just we want it to be perfect first. And I think with anything, whether it's speaking up or whether it's producing a line or a product, I think it all connects. Um, okay, so I love that. Okay, so... I want to dive a bit into the progression of Hero. So, look, you've been in it for three years now. You've been featured on the Forbes 30 under 30 list, Women at Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, um, Today, um, and Good Morning America, Today Show, and among many others. I could keep going. So, you know, you've gotten a lot of traction from what you've built. It's, It's incredible. Talk to us a little bit about that progression over the past three years. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Hero's core has always stayed the same, but the way in which we share our stories has changed. Um, So, of course, I have the direct-to-consumer version of Hero, and now I actually work with companies as well. So I do custom bags for events um, and, you know, for for companies. So um, my first client uh, was actually a, a mom who had bought a bag for her daughter. She wanted something fully custom. She couldn't find anything available, and so she reached out to me and just said, hey, I love your mission of giving back. Is there some way that we could work together? And we did. Um, We did a handful of bags for a female engineer event. And the group, through my nonprofit partner that we supported, was actually girls that were interested more in like science and math. And we shared the stories of those scholars um, in the bags. And so um, I think, you know, that's an area that pre-launch I would have never thought about. Um, But after launch, it just kind of naturally became a part of my business. So I think, um, you know, just having stayed open to new opportunities and I've met some people who before launch are thinking like, oh, you know, this is going to be my product design and this is my, the audience that it's for and, and there's only this one way that it can be presented. Um, and you know, after I launched, everything kind of changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think just that that flexibility piece is is something that's so important. Mm. I love it. Wow, Alyssa, it's been absolutely awesome. I feel like I could continue this conversation, keep it rolling, but I'm conscious of time. Look, I firstly just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the awesome work you've done and that you're doing. You, you know, you really are empowering us all to put our hands up, to to step up and speak up and and knowing that we have the power to change the world, regardless of where we've come from, who we are, what background, all of that. And it's it's just so cool to see. So we really appreciate and acknowledge you for that. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is really great. Of course. Great. Of course. <laughs> so I'm so glad. Here are all of your New York guests oh, as well. <laughs> I love that. Well, you've been an amazing first guest. It's so great. Thank you. Great. So we'll finish up with our final question, which is how we finish all of our interviews here at the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Freedom. I love it. Alyssa, ladies and gentlemen, where can people learn more about you and Hero? Thank you. Oh, on, on Instagram, we're at Hero Backpacks and it's herobackpacks.com. Amazing. Well, thanks so much, Alyssa. It's been absolutely awesome. I cannot wait for people to listen to this. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Piers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.